0: I remember, and some of you will remember, on the 20th of July, 1969, I saw the man in the moon. What happened on the 20th of July, 1969? The man landed on the moon. You didn't know that. Oh, was that, was that before your time? Oh, Max. I remember seeing that. Yeah, I knew you were alive then. And since then, in the intervening years, we have given ourselves much more to achieve. And as we look in the, in the telescopes, at the Hubble, the Hubble telescope, and we look further into the black hole of whatever that is and beyond, mankind is only finding out what the Creator created. And that Creator had a plan for his world from before time began. A plan that was to go from life life. Through death to eternal life with him. And in that plan in the world, Jesus encapsulated God's purpose in a verse in Acts chapter 1. And tonight we see a little of the of that plan in an important and historic step of God's plan being fulfilled. So before I go into the Bible, can I pray about that? Okay, thanks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've given us your word to guide us, to lead us, to bless us, to encourage us, to rebuke us, to lift us up, to show us that you are the God of the universe. You are the creator God who has come to us in your Son and through your Son you have given us the hope of eternal life where one day you will take us home to be with you. You'll take all your children home to be with you. But Father, in this world you have given us a plan and you've given us a promise and a command and so I pray that tonight, as we look at your word again, and we see how you were, you have been working that plan out, you will help us to understand where we fit in this, and how you want us to respond. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you've got the Bibles open, it'll be at page 1568. And I don't want to start where Max started reading tonight, I want to go a little bit before that. Because at the beginning of the chapter, I wasn't here last week, so I don't know what what was preached last week. So if I say what was preached last week, I'm sorry about that. You'll just hear it a second time. But you remember, Peter had obeyed God's call to go to Cornelius' house. You remember that? Right? God had called him and Peter had gone. The Cornelius had been told by God to send down to Joppa, to a, to a, to a man called Peter, and tell him to come. Peter went to Cornelius' house. He was a centurion. He was a man of power and authority and a leader. He was a devout and God-fearing man. But he was a Gentile. And yet Peter went into that house and he was converted to Christ. Now some of the folk back in Jerusalem were a bit horrified that Peter, the leader, would go into the house of a Gentile. And we read that in these first 18 verses. Peter Makes his defense. And we read these words in chapter 11, verses 15 to 18. Let me read them to you. As I began, this is Peter speaking. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus. Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard of this, that means the disciples and the others, they had no further objections and they praised God saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance to life. So we see in chapter 8, Philip had talked to the Ethiopian and he'd been converted. He was a Gentile. We see Philip... With the Samaritans, who were half Jews, half Gentiles. He was sharing the word of God there. We see Peter with Cornelius, one man. These were specific events where God God organised the whole thing with one individual here and there. But tonight, we see something completely different. We're about to discover the most changing work, life-changing work for the world. We're going to see how the gospel deliberately goes out to the Gentiles. Now, do you remember what that promise was that we've been going over time after time, particularly when Peter and John have preached? What's that promise that we've been going through in Acts chapter one, verse eight? Who can say it? But you will will follow me. But you will receive power when Spirit Spirit comes on you. You're reading it. Oh, it's up there. <laughs> I knew it would be up there. Do you see that? I asked for it to be up there. All right. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That was Jesus' promise and his command. And now we see that up to this point, the gospel had only been spread among the Jews. We read that in verse 19 of chapter 11 of Acts. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch spreading the word only among Jews. So it was primarily a Jewish thing. God's chosen people speaking to God's chosen people about God's chosen son to bring his salvation to his chosen people. That's how they kept it together. But then in verse 20, Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Wow. What about that? The Gentiles. Why why go to the Gentiles? They're only Gentiles. They weren't like the Jews. The Jews saw themselves as God's chosen people. These were under that. Didn't God give the Jews his promises, his word? Weren't they his special possession? Why go to the Gentiles? Why? Why would these Jews go to Gentiles in Antioch and tell them the good news about the Lord Jesus? Verse 20 says they did. The Bible doesn't tell us why they went. Only that they went. And look at the result in verse 21. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now with such a contrast between Jew and Gentile, isn't that amazing? How awesome that now a whole Gentile community of Greeks were converted. That thrills me. God went beyond the human barriers of race, class, creed, Colour and culture to bring people to Himself. Those human barriers of race, class, creed, colour, and culture. God broke right through with some unnamed men from Cyprus and Sorene. The seed of God's word happened and changed people in Antioch. Well, what about here? What about with us? This last week in our nation has been NADOC work week. I'll get it right. And we've been challenged. I don't know about you, but I've been challenged. How have we responded to our indigenous people, to the First Nations people? How have we recognised them and given them an equality with ourselves? Are we doing that? People who come here from other countries as refugees. How do we see them? Do we stay away? Do we encourage? Do we support? Do we see them as people who need the gospel as much as we need it? In Antioch, a large Gentile evangelistic church grew through some unnamed man. But what was Antioch? Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. There was Rome, up in Rome, up there. Then there's the Mediterranean coming around here. And in Alexandria, the capital of Egypt, that was the second greatest city. And then up in the northeast corner of the Mediterranean, inland, was a city called Antioch. A very large city, an important city, a very wealthy city, it was on near the mouth of the Orontes River. It was a cosmopolitan city. It was luxuriously immoral, as Barclay said in his commentary. I like that. Well, I don't know that I should like it, but the words sounded good. It was luxuriously immoral. It was known for its chariot racing. It was known for its sacred prostitutes. Of course there were sacred prostitutes, because the goddess Daphne was there, and the goddess Astarte were there. And it was luxuriously decadent. A place where you would not think you would ought to go to share the gospel. Yet the Lord used Antioch to become the hub of the Christian outreach to the ends of the earth. Finally to you and me. So do you see how amazing it was that unnamed men from Cyrene and Cyprus who went to tell the Gentiles the good news about the Lord Jesus, how they would be world changers, fulfilling God's promise in Acts 1.8. Little did they know that. And little may you know how important your life is and the words that you say and the actions that you show to people around you and how God can take you and use you and the seed of the gospel planted through you in the lives of others to make a world of difference. These were unnamed men. I think that's beautiful. They weren't big in the world's eyes. They were simply Christians. And so the church grew. So we've we've seen how the the gospel deliberately went out to the Gentiles, breaking tradition, breaking all those human barriers. Now we see how God grew his church, in, uh, how the church was set in the Gentiles and how he grew his church in Antioch. That's what we're going to look at now. In verses 22 to 24, we read these words. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. I love that. I hope you, don't you? Come on. It's time to wake up. A great number of people were brought to the Lord. I'm excited about this congregation. I'm excited about us growing. I'm excited about the morning church family growing to a point where we've got to work out how we're going to handle it. And I ask you to pray about that. I'm excited about next Saturday night. I hope all you young people will be there. Put your names down there so you won't miss out. And bring a bowl with you so that you can have some soup. Oh, we've got to bring the bowl. We'll provide a spoon. But I hope that you're there. But you see what happened. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Barnabas was from Cyprus, like some of the men who'd gone there. Now we've heard of Barnabas a couple of times. In the early part of Acts, we read of him um, coming to the church, having sold a piece of land and laying the money from that sale at the feet of the apostles. His name was Joseph. He was a Levite. He was a man who understood the word of God and could teach it. They changed his name to Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And he was the encourager. And that's what happened. The church in Jerusalem decided to send Barnabas to Antioch. What a man to send. We see him there in Acts chapter 4. Then in Acts chapter 9. When, the, when Saul became a Christian. Do you remember what happened to Saul when he became a Christian? What did he do? Did he shut up? No, he didn't, did he? He preached the gospel with power and authority and he was, he was abused and accused and threatened. And he went away. Then he went back to Jerusalem. And the apostles and disciples in Jerusalem rejected him. But there was one man who went to his aid. He was Barnabas. And Barnabas went to the apostles with Saul. And Barnabas shared about Saul's conversion and how the Lord had used him. And then he was welcomed into the fellowship. That was Barnabas. Took courage to do that. And here we see, as we look at Barnabas, that he was a good man. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Barnabas was the man for them at that time. The right person at the right time will be used by God in the right way. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. The church in Jerusalem had sent the man. What an encourager. But then as the church grew, Barnabas realised they needed a better teacher than him. Everything looked good. The church was growing, things were flourishing, but he knew that underneath... These people needed to be taught well and better than what he could do. And so he set off for Tarsus to look for this man called Saul who was later become Paul. And the Bible tells us in the language it used that it was a hard work for him because Saul had been outcast in his own place and he had to be searched for. And Barnabas searched to find him. He found Saul. And Saul was purposely chosen. For his gift of teaching. Look at the results in verse 26. When they found him, he brought him to Antioch. That Saul was brought to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Right? He taught a great number of people. That was Paul's role. Saul's role. He was a master teacher. He had been taught under Gamaliel, the best teacher of the whole of Jewish history. And so he understood the scriptures so well. And he was able to teach them. So that they would be anchored firmly in the word of God. Now they were called Christians first at Antioch. And that was a derogatory term. But it was a term that the disciples, the disciplined followers of Christ, took to be their very own in Antioch. Christian. Friend, what are you? What are you? And what does it mean for you to be called Christian? And for us as a church, what are we known as? Can you see how God has blessed us as a church? Some of you will remember back to when Peter Frith was the minister many years ago. And St. Luke's Warilla took a, a core group of people and then it became another group to start this church family. And then you'll remember Ian Barnett that uh, with his evangelistic uh, zeal and bringing hundreds of people to the church. And the church needed teaching. And then came Michael Williamson, the great, a, a very good understander and teacher of the Bible. And after Michael left and before John came, There were people who were praying fervently for our nominators, our five nominators, as they went looking for our new pastor. Those five nominators spent much time in prayer and research before they came to a unity of mind and spirit. They did the hard yards, long, hard yards. Then they put John's name forward as the one they believed the Lord wanted us to have as our new minister. John did his homework. Well, we prayed for this minister who was, whose name was put forward to the diocese. John did his homework. And he decided to say yes and to come. And look how the Lord has blessed us. And, and to have Pete as John's offsider and our assistant minister. And to have had Matt with all of his gifts. And Amanda as the children's worker. What a privilege. The Lord is growing us. How we must praise the Lord and keep praying for his direction as he grows his church in us and with us and through us. That'll be hard work. Spending time in prayer. But we're not finished with this passage. So we see one, the gospel goes out to the Gentiles through unnamed men who opened up the way for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth. Secondly, We've seen how God grew his church in Antioch. And thirdly, we're going to see how God grows his church as it welcomes those with specific gifts. Look at verse 27 with me, will you please? During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Verse 28, one of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe f- famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the raid of Claudius. The gift of prophecy... It's one of the gifts that the Lord gives to some people. The prophet tells forth or tells out God's word. He may foretell what will happen, what God's word will be and what it will accomplish. That was Agabus' role. I put it this way. The prophet proclaims God's word and the teacher explains God's word. Now sometimes the prophet is also the teacher. The prophet tells you what God says. This is what the Lord says. And the teacher will explain it. Agus' proclamation came true. If you knew it was from God. Being a a prophet is a very serious role. And there are very serious consequences for those who are false prophets. We read that in Deuteronomy in several places. Chapter 13 and chapter 18 can start. For those who were false prophets, they didn't speak again. They were killed. But do you notice here in verse 28, one of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And through the Spirit predicted. Christian prophecy is always directed by the Holy Spirit. And therefore it will be in line with God's word and God's will as it's expressed in his word. It cannot be otherwise because God is one. And so we are encouraged if somebody says this is a prophecy to make sure that's in line with the principles and practice of God's word. Otherwise ignore it. Here through the spirit he predicted what would happen and it did. But let's look at the last two verses. The result or the outworking of God's working in people's lives the disciples, each one, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They did this sending their gift by the, to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Wow. Notice the generosity of the Christians to support their other brothers and sisters in need, even though they didn't know who they were. It was the church in Judea. A long way away. The disciple as each disciples as each one was able, determined, decided to provide help. This was about AD 45. So you got that now? Mate. AD 45, 44. That was the time. Long time ago. God's family were demonstrating a real mark of faith. They trusted God and were generous in their giving. Friends, there's a lot for us to glean from this passage. The mark of real faith is how you live it out and of your attitude, of your heart and your mind to your God and how you work that out in life. You never know how God will use the seed you sow into a person's life. (coughs) Pardon me. Going to the Gentiles in such a large, prosperous, luxuriously immoral city To preach the good news about Jesus seemed a false and a stupid thing to do. Yet, through doing it, it began what was to become the central church in God's plan of taking this good news to the ends of the earth. You and I are recipients of that faithfulness. And we too have been given that same commission. Where do you sit with this? What is God saying to you tonight about your life, where you are at, and what you're doing to respond to that promise and that command of Jesus? We've seen how strategic it was to have Barnabas there first and then Saul for the church to grow towards maturity. And we must be very thankful for the way God has blessed us with all our leadership team and we all, to a person, need to be on board with the ride that the Lord is taking us on as we go and grow by telling others the good news about Jesus. Make sure you are on board. What did Jesus say? But you will receive power when the... Oh, don't put it up yet. All right, thanks, Maddie. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in and in all and in Samaria and to the uttermost ends of the earth. That's what the old version says. To the ends of the earth. My brothers and sisters, who is going who is God calling to obey this challenge? Is God calling you? Or you? Or you? Or you? Or you? What is God saying to you? For some of us tonight, this can be a very big life-saving, a life-saving and life-changing experience. Don't be afraid if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and your mind and it's going thump, thump, thump. Share it with one of the leadership team so that you can be prayed for and supported and nurtured as the Lord prepares you to fulfil his command and promise. Pray, prepare, and obey, and go. The Lord normally starts with us at home and with our friends before he sends us out to the ends of the earth. Friends, it is time for us to make that decision. Have you, will you, and will you obey? Where God has placed you. When he calls you, he will always confirm his call in time, in his time. May I pray for us. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us your word and your word is true. You have given us the promise of Acts 1.8 and the command of Acts 1.8. And tonight we've seen a little of how you were working that out in your plan of salvation for the world. And Lord Jesus, I pray that tonight for each of us, you would write this in our hearts and in our minds so that we will see the privilege it is as brother and sister Christian to encourage one another in our walk for you, in our life for you, in where we go for you, and what we do for you, for the glory of your name. Amen.